This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com, and joining me to discuss the uh, Australian pre-season tour that Aston Villa have just returned back from, Mr. Chris Bird, Mr. Phil Shaw, welcome back. Hello, hello, how are you doing? Hello. All right, was you there at uh, BHX Airport to welcome back your heroes, Mr. Bird? Uh, no, not exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Disappointed they didn't put United to the sword, were you? Pretty much, yeah. Uh, they just got back just in time for the Commonwealth Games, which uh, kicks off in Birmingham this week. If you're uh, not from Birmingham, just to uh, keep you in the loop of what's going on in the background. This is why uh, Villa's first game of the season actually is away from home and also Wolves, just to uh, make sure that all the police resources, etc., were uh, allocated to uh, the Commonwealth Games. Uh, are you going to any events, Mr. Bird? I am going to the athletics and the closing ceremony and then... Probably a couple of other ones. I'll get some last-minute tickets as they become... Well, not as they become available. It looks like there's quite a few available, but I'll take a pick on a few last-minute Yeah, I think bits, I'll I think. do uh, athletics to see the Jamaican uh, sprint women in action because they are probably uh, some of the best in the history of sprinting uh, at yep. the moment and see if Asher Smith can make a dent on the podium. And also, uh, we've got to go to the beach volleyball. I we mean, do. that's essential. I mean, nothing says Birmingham like beach volleyball, does it? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I did go to the Olympics uh, beach volleyball at Bondi Beach uh, many moons ago, 2000. Uh, yeah, you got, you know, Bondi, Copacabana, no. So I've got to keep up the keep tradition. Up. I mean, I, I used to live there for two years. Well, let's keep this Australian, this uh, episode. Let's. I used to live there for two years, and uh, I w- went on the march. No uh, stadium on Bondi Beach. There was this big protest uh, movement against it for, uh, well, a good few years up to the actual building of it. And then... Uh, Full disclosure, hypocrisy, there I was sitting in the stadium <laughs> having the time of my life. It was fantastic. It was one of the best sporting events I've ever been to. So uh, it was like a party and sport in perfect harmony. So hopefully uh, there's a bit of that happening in, in Birmingham. But yeah, the uh, the juxtaposition of Birmingham and beach volleyball is uh, it's just <laughs> too enticing. Uh, not you, know, you can't miss it. No. It's one once in a lifetime. It's got to got to say exactly. I think I, 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 you know, I really do hope that Birmingham sort of raises its game for this one because all the build-up has been how much of a kind of 
hard games to stage this has been on a you know shoestring and whatever else. I'm, I'm really hoping that Birmingham actually for two weeks has a bit of a buzz about it and it raises its game. I mean, I remember in Sydney when the Olympics were there, it was like you know street parties and you know it was mm-hmm. just good good times in the streets at night. The London one was great to be fair, wasn't it as well? Yeah, because you've got so many visitors from around the world and it's, you know, especially after this kind of COVID uh, period, uh, it mm-hmm. would be good to uh, get back in the swing of things. But anyway, let's get into uh, Aston Villa and uh, let's start off with some news. Do you want to talk uh, about the Villa news straight off the bat or uh, this little uh, nugget of intrigue? A chess robot broke a seven-year-old boy's finger during a match at the Moscow Open. <laughs> Who dug that story up? <laughs> Phil? I think, yes, it's, it's, it's right in my wheelhouse, that one. Oh, Gra- no. Raybot doesn't like cheaters. No. Uh, I think we should have the villain news. Yeah, reluctantly. Right, first off the bat, and uh, we, we'll, we'll throw this in a, in a villa context, because uh, the Premier League are bringing in... Uh, a multi-ball system. This is the idea of this is to uh, cut down on time wasting. So they're going to have ten match balls around the field, eight on cones. Uh, am I uh, right? One with the fourth official, and then obviously the one in play. Yeah. So the idea of this is to uh, keep the flow uh, going more because uh, this is a kind of a shocker when you when you put it in the context of raised season ticket prices and the rising cost of the game per se. For 90 minutes, uh, over a period last season, uh, when I think the Daily Mail did this, uh, using up to stats, Aston Villa, in their games, had the ball out of play the most. That Literally, it was in play 49 minutes and 23 seconds out of the 90 minutes. Almost right. half of that 90 minutes is out of, been out of play. What exactly are we paying for? Well, we buy a seat, so the ball might we you know, might be to catch it in Rosette. <laughs> <laughs> and in comparison, uh, top of the table in terms of the team that uh, in their games the balls on the pitch the most was Manchester City with sixty points uh, twenty seven, if my memory serves me right. So a full eleven minutes uh, plus uh, of extra footballing time when you get to see Manchester City. But uh, I mean, there's loads of mitigating. Circumstance. I mean, Villa w- weren't exactly vintage uh, last season. I mean, you know, amount of passes that went off uh, out of touch, straight out of play. <laughs> the amount of free kicks that took about half an hour to decide what to do with them. The passing and notes on the pitch. The amount of time wasting from the opposition of teams defending leads at Villa Park. Yeah, and then you get the ninety minutes, and the the board goes up, and it's like three months or four months of injury time. You're going like, nah, where did it all go? Yeah, there's at least eight. So they need to uh, keep a stricter look on the watch. And was it Portugal? I think we had it in uh, three points before, where yeah. we said Portugal were thinking about bringing in the sixty minute game where the clock stops when the ball goes out of play. And when you look at the stats, uh, it's bang on, isn't it? Sixty minutes is uh, maximum when you got a team like Manchester City who can string passes together. That's how much the ball is actually in play. So all the stats, you've really got to use, use these stats to actually make the game better for uh, spectators because we're getting short change big time at the moment. Uh, meanwhile, in Australia, probably the headline, and we'll talk about this more uh, later on in the show, was uh, Gerard admitting they had a bit of a bloated squad. So I think the uh, the emphasis of the return back will be to shift uh, you know, off some of these squad players. I'm looking at the midfield predominantly. 
Villa have managed to get rid of Wesley on loan. Uh, this is interesting because he was on loan for a year. Internationally, what's, what's the, what was the Brazilian team? It was international. It was meant to run from January to January. So obviously that's been cut short. And uh, international of Brazil didn't want to keep him anyway. Uh, Villa obviously uh, didn't fancy him. And uh, Levante are actually second tier in Spain. So that shows you where, where he's at at the moment. There's no doubt Villa will be playing a massive chunk of his wages still. If there's a buy option there, then can't be for much money if it's you know second tier Spanish team. I mean, you'd you'd have to uh, score a, a shed load of goals, get them promoted for them to have any kind of money. And so that one's just like uh, put a line through it. I mean, you know, we we talked on a previous show as would Gerard have a look at him? But obviously, this is done a done deal, really. It in terms if- of he's never coming back. He's never playing for Villa again. It's probably even maybe even a decision that was out of Gerard's hands. It was you know one of these ones that was like director of football now. Just get rid of him. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, as you would have seen from the social media, and obviously if you were out in Australia, uh, Elmo's back as a club ambassador, stroke man about town, stroke catalogue man. Kind of a weird role, <laughs> nice isn't it? Man. But he uh, he was in some punditry, wasn't he, before? Yeah, yeah. Because I think Villa will be trying to get out and about uh, on tour for most pre-seasons now, as like all the big teams do. Yeah. So that might be a, a, a role linked to that, and he might be doing some uh, groundwork in between pre-season trips, so we shall see. Uh, in the women's team, Alicia Lehman has signed on for another year. Uh, a lot of people on social media reading into that deal uh, like they were kind of trying to read tea leaves or something uh, in how that relates to Douglas Louise. Obviously, those two were, are an item. I don't know. I think Douglas Louise is kind of fair game if he goes, uh, in, in my book, in terms of that bloated squad situation. If you're... I still think... I mean, we'll talk about this later, but I still think you need a... You need that upgrade in midfield there's too much sameness in terms of level you either, you either need an upgrade or you need one of them to stand step up and be like I'm going to be the man but you don't yeah. know who that's going to be but we'll talk about that in uh, in a sec uh, new away kit came out uh, for the United game uh what made me laugh was United played in their away kit as well, and uh you know sometimes you had to blink to work out who was uh, who was who well it was white and baby blue playing in torrential rain yeah cheers i'd be interesting to know if people think it's of super superior quality considering the price hike uh, on the kit final friendly will be against uh, Rennes in uh, france so uh i don't know i got a feeling after that uh first half against united i think oh we could do with another pre-season game actually we still look not we're not quite there yet are we no there's 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 plenty of positives to take but there's i think you learn more from playing a team like united or leeds than you do playing at warsaw you know you need these little litmus tests you need a bit more intensity you need to stress test especially something like you know i mean the new look midfield with kamara got you know he looked pretty good in the, the previous games but he he got walked through against united well, this is the thing, people saying on social media after 10 minutes, and this is like local press reporters as well, saying he's like the second come in and Carlos They know that's just in. Twitter bullshit and it'll get them. It happens with every player. It's like, you know, I was, I was you know, I'm, I'm excited by both of those players, but I'm thinking I want to see them against United before I mutter anything. I want to see mm-hmm. them play four or five games in the Premier League at a different pace to what they've ever played against before, before I start making any judgments. I'll settle to see them against a newly promoted team on the first day of the season. 
Uh, uh, Bruce Springsteen has sold out, uh, well, general admission, uh, Villa Park, uh, pretty much in a, in a day. I don't know where people have still got their money from. It's incredible. Some of those prices, insane, especially to get up front uh, on the on the floor, on the pitch, was it 160 yeah. quid or whatever? It yeah, was? I mean, not the cheapest seats. You thought you didn't get in change out of about 80 quid. It's not predominantly uh, Villa fans uh, going, but uh, obviously there'll be a few uh, because it's if you're a Springsteen fan and Villa fan, well, you know, you, you, it happened once before in 1988 and uh, you thought that would be a once in a lifetime chance, but here we are again, 35 years later. Right, before we get on to the three points, I think it's time for Media Muppets. <laughs> Right, Phil, what's in the media Muppet trough uh, this week? Well, we're back to the, the Birmingham Mail's battery hens, and it's uh, Pat Rowe taking a break from his Grealish articles to come up with this headline. The Grealish Stan, is that the what they, stan, they call yep. it? Uh-huh. The Grealish Stan, This is the headline. The injury nightmare that could end up saving Aston Villa millions. Now, bear in mind, this article was from, from this week, so I'm, I'm, I'm puzzled already. I mean, an injury, ni- an injury nightmare doesn't usually save a team millions. No. So I had to click, I had to erase the, the service, the public service, and click for them. The The story is about Morgan Sanson, surprisingly, but it's not this Morgan Sanson. It's Morgan Sanson from January 2022. Yes, about eight months ago is Morgan Sanson. So it's an interview with Stephen Gerrard from then, recycled because he's got a few minutes in pre-season. It's saying how Sanson could save Villa millions by being the answer in midfield. Well, I, I'd argue up with any needs to repay the $15 million that was spent on him before he can save Villa any money. <laughs> An eight-month-old eight quote. <laughs> I, I already did the uh, Is Morgan Sanson the answer to Villa's uh, problems? But I did that last season, and it and it fell, and it, <laughs> and it you know the results came in, and uh, he wasn't. And increasingly, every time we look at it, I, I love the rebirth article, but you know, not after just seeing him play for five ten minutes. It's uh, there's no collateral to it at all. Right, three points. Let's let's move on swiftly. Number one, uh, the FA are going to trial ban deliberate heading by children under 12 in England. If successful, the FA will apply to uh, IFAB for a law change to remove heading at under 12 level and below from the 23-24 season. A recommended limit of 10 forced headers per week in training had also been introduced in professional football and adult grassroots game before the start of last season. What do you think about that, bud? Um... I get it at youth team level. If anything, you know, it has the potential to force younger kids to have to play the non the non English way. Basically, <laughs> get the ball on the fucking floor and play football rather than just lump it. My favourite word out of that is deliberate heading. So if you get yeah. s- smacked in the head by the ball, oh well, can <laughs> <laughs> deal with it. That's Not all right. Yeah, out. yeah. It's an interesting one because obviously the this is a result of like kind of Alzheimer's later on, uh, yeah. increasingly for uh, for players. Uh, number two, uh, Brazilian player Hulk. Is he still playing? I didn't. I thought Hulk he retired just, just being crap. But, just about uh, had to rehydrate after a game. Uh, in extreme heat to pass an anti-doping test uh, and it needed 30 litres of water. He started the match at 97 kilos, finished it at 91 and he was there for four hours drinking 30 litres of water to to urinate for this test and his team had to fly home uh, without him and he had to get a private jet uh, after his team Atletico Mineiro uh, lost on aggregate to Flamengo in the Copa de Brazil 30 litres of water that is yeah, a lot it's of mad. water it's like over 60 pints 97 kilos he's still Hulk anyway 
He's just less of a Hulk, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, mini Hulk. Uh, point number three, uh, a Playboy model has launched an OnlyFans page specifically to buy her favourite football team, Daniela Chavez, who has appeared uh, on three Playboy magazine covers. I think Bud's got we them We can all. confirm. <laughs> Bud can confirm. <laughs> and has been named among the 10 most sexy Latinos, has burning desire to take charge of O'Higgins FC. Is that a Chilean team? It is a Chilean team. Now, I was doing a bit of digging. It's named after Bernardo O'Higgins, who liberated Chile from the Spanish. So that's a bit of reading for me yeah. tomorrow in that. So she wants to uh, charge £16 uh, a month. To I mean, you know, these girls at the, the top level on OnlyFans earn millions. So, uh, I mean, they also have to pay all kinds of legal fees and whatever to get all their content taken down from people who obviously post it on websites and whatever. But uh, but no, I mean, it's for a good cause. <laughs> Good luck to her, I suppose. <laughs> Anybody thinking about doing that for Villa? Just in case this uh, Suarez and Eden's project uh, collapses? I don't think I would make the same money somehow. <laughs> Could have a whip round. Well, yeah. <laughs> you never know. You never, never know. No, Phil. There's, there's, there's some, there's some weird-ass fucking fetishes doing the rounds <laughs> these days. <laughs> Kinky niche, I don't know. Right, before we go on to the main uh, section of the show... I just want to give a uh, big shout out to the My Men Said patrons. I think I might rename patrons to uh, Mom's Members Club. What do you think? I like it. Yes, sounds good. Classy. People don't know what patrons are, do they? But uh, members is a bit more uh, clearly uh, defined. So uh, thank you to uh, our new members who have uh, signed up uh, in the last uh, week or so. A big thank you to uh, Leslie Dyke, Philip Bassett, Chad Jobin, Richard Jesek, Stephen Fanner, Rich Phillips, and also a big uh, thank you to uh, Richard Cook and Andy Hyde, who have signed up as uh, annual members. When you sign up as annual members, you get 10% off, which is, I think it's just over a, over a month free. So uh, please do uh, join us, uh, and you will also get access to uh, Match Club. That is our the heart of our uh, members club, where we've been meeting up for these uh, Australian tour matches, and we will for the Red Game as well. And uh, while it's twenty four seven, we uh, do have our uh, get-togethers for the away games uh, predominantly. But also, we you know we have uh, we will have uh, the odd meetup in the flesh as well uh, during the season. Also, if you become a uh, my old man said member you get access to uh, extra podcast channels and there's always a uh, extra show after every main show like this uh, either an extended version or uh, outtakes or uh, if there's a particular burning issue that we want to elaborate on we also uh, will record that as well and uh, there's also uh, separate shows as well different ones but we all make sure we always have an extension of the main show uh, every week so please do go to myomensaid.com, click on the patron link. Maybe it'll be a members link uh, when you uh, get there. Patron or members, and uh, the full details will be there. Thank you very much. All right, anyway, let's move on to uh, champions of the multi-ball, hopefully, next season. Uh, Aston Villa's trip down under. I think uh, across the across the ball, it was a success. I mean, you have to get out. The, the thing is, nowadays... Uh, very much the focus on clubs is uh, the international market and trying to make money out of the international market because it's all right having millions and millions of uh, social media followers, 
as a club. And one of the things that they've been scratching their head about over the years is how do we monetize all these millions of people who don't come to the ground to, you know, see the games. So uh, getting up close and personal to fans is a big thing. Also, on the flip side for fans, it's great, especially if you live in Australia. I mean, I, I used to live there, so I know uh, the silly o'clock hours of seeing your uh, team play. And so to actually see them at civil time and actually, you know, go to the games would be a, a massive thing. And it just, you know, it just cements the link to the club. And also, if you've got neutrals out there, the fact that Villa uh, were winning games and, you know, the comeback against United would, it always helps, isn't it? Because a lot of people get into teams because of uh, that uh, glory. Well, not even glory. I mean, if you saw that United game and you were a neutral and uh, you were decided on Villa before the game just to follow, you know, support them or you didn't like United per se, you just wanted the underdog, then that would have probably sealed the deal uh, for you as a Villa fan, wouldn't it? Especially the second half performance. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it'd be interesting to see if Villa have done any kind of commercial deals out of that. I mean, the commercial director was there, Perslo was there as well. But uh, it's just good vibes, really, isn't it? I mean, the irony was uh, we had a massive heat wave over in the UK and Birmingham was like, <laughs> you know, pissed on. <laughs> touching on 40 degrees. And over there, it's uh, the, the winter and in Perth, you know, it was Perth, it was kind of a monsoon and uh, crazy, crazy ass weather during that game. Well, and they had to do three games down under on basically like, winter pitches yeah no that i mean that was a patchwork job wasn't it the perf stadium i mean you come out of those three games i'd imagine and you're you're sort of your your team doctor and physio is just thinking thank god we've got pretty much a full quote with players through these games yeah but i I don't mind it when i when when that rain started coming down and there's that pitch i thought this is good because uh you need you need to send your troops through adversity to find out about them Yeah. yeah And you don't well, want these Nancy boys in the Louis Vuitton wash bags uh, getting paid millions and not having the heart to battle in such uh, situations. Because obviously, you know, in, in England, in, it's a winter sport and, you, and it's going to be like that. Uh, so it's it's good to have that kind of uh, situation to, uh, you know, see see how things are going. Well, I was, th- I was thinking about the pitches as well. And pitches like that are sort of, you're going back to maybe the 80s and you didn't hear as many ACLs and things like that. And pitches like that is more... Yeah. So you're maybe thinking the more modern pitches and things like that, it is easier to sort of go over in your knee as as would be. Cause, but so a pitch like that, I wasn't too concerned about injuries unless it's something like sliding into a post. Admittedly, that Leeds game was like a local derby at times. It was tasty, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Phil's got a good point about the pitch, though, because the reason why the modern pitches don't cut up so much is because they're the synthetic fibers woven yeah, into they're the hy- grass. Almost hybrid, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. It's a hybrid deal. So that's why uh, probably, uh, you know, it's a tougher pitch in terms of injuries. And with the injuries, of course, the, the boots that players wear now, the, not all, but the vast majority of the guys wear blades, don't they, on the bottom yeah. as opposed to the traditional studs. So you get more traction, but of course with more traction means that your ankle and knee can turn or your you know your standing leg stays put and the knee goes the other way how many times have we seen yeah, that i mean you know personally i was just i just ignored all that bullshit uh all that bs about uh you know mcginn and the leeds player you know villa play- fans constantly. were giving giving him stick and leeds were giving mcginn stick it's like well what happened you know this few decades ago nobody would batted an eyelid and actually that's how the game should be a bit of uh you know it's, it's a contact sport after all it's just something that's perpetuated in the press to build up this kind of angst about it just to uh, make it you know just to get some make some money out of it in terms of advertising revenue or whatever i thought the brisbane raw game was pretty tepid wasn't it very uh what's the word forget forgettable 
You can go into that game and go, yeah, you know, preseason training, all the other cliches, minutes in the bank, blah, blah, blah. But you're also thinking, well, if Villa have an established style of play, if Villa are good at what they're doing, they should be dictating this game and, and, and beating this team off the park. Okay, Brisbane Raw, low block and, uh, you know, men behind the ball. But still, before we played United, they were putting goals past teams, weren't they? They scored 11 in three, three wins. They scored four past Liverpool, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. exactly. So there's a team that, you know, things are clicking. We were kind of, until we suddenly went a bit mad in this, got a bit wild west against United when all the subs came on. Until that moment, we we weren't looking like a a cohesive unit going forward. So that was a a bit of concern, especially against Brisbane, where you thought, well, you know, let's also be a bit more adventurous and go for it a bit more. Well, you want to see, I think in pre-season, you... Obviously, there's the fitness aspect, but you also want to see patterns of play and you want to see almost attack v defence. You want to see us be able to show that when needed to, we can be gung-ho, we can throw the kitchen sink at a team, lest we forget they are not an elite-level Premier League side where they're probably going to hit you on the break. You want to see yourself sort of build up a bit of... Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Head of steam. So, yeah, so I wasn't really judging, you know, the new signings in those first two games at all, as, as we just said at the, the top of the show. But I, so I was looking forward to the United game because I was thinking, you understand now why, you know, Arsenal are playing Chelsea and, you know, United are playing Liverpool because you think, well, you know, it's a pre-season game. Why? I mean, obviously you're putting a spectacle on for like American fans or Australian fans, wherever you're playing. But also, I think it's useful to uh, give them proper opposition if you're trying something. If you're, yeah. uh, And so against United, I was looking forward to that. But boy, it was just like nothing had happened since last season. The first half yeah. was dreadful. And you thought, oh shit, this, this just, just feels like last season straight away. Yeah. Nothing didn't feel fresh at all. Well, let's, lest we forget, this is not a vintage Man United side. No, but they, they, you, you could notice an improvement in them. I would say they were, they were standing in the right place. They were better drilled, but still... Uh, you looked at that United team and it was a moment in the first half where Jacob Ramsey ran past all of them and got to the byline. You just think to yourself, anybody, any proper pace merchant is going to destroy that United team. Yeah, but at the same time, uh, we weren't getting the ball off them. Uh, I think they it was they had 67% possession in the first half and we were really struggling. No, and that's, that goes back to the midfield again. You don't really have that ball winner in midfield. You have... Kamara now is a, a six, but he's more like a like a pass cutter outer. If that's even a, a phrase or someone that maybe a block, he's he's not getting the ball back. Was it against Lee? I can't remember which game it was where he he and I've seen him do that uh, for for Marseille, where the players can, he, he's behind the player, but he he gets a tackle in from behind as the guy's kind of running into the eighteen yard box or whatever. He's good at stealing the ball off uh, people once they feel like they're you know they're actually through. Yeah, it's like a sort of a sneakiness to his players opposed to like a. F- 
physical dominance, but he yeah. looked relative. I thought he looked good in the Leeds game, certainly pitched the Brisbane game in possession. Manu, I thought he, he found it a little bit hard. I think Manu really got on top of, frankly, they, they got on top of our midfield in the first and, and a lot of the second half. They were in swarms of four or five in the midfield. They you were. know, players close to each other. They were really uh, imposing their will on it. Yeah, it was a very sort of high intensity Man United performance, very unlike the side from the last sort of couple of years. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely playing, you know, higher up, aren't they? But then second half was like... Pressing. Was, was like chalk and cheese. Yeah. But how much was that down to substitutions? Because it got a bit wild west at a it certain did. I mean, point. Before yeah, we were recording, I was, me, and, me and Phil were saying it's probably the first time we've ever played United that I can think of in my lifetime, certainly in the Premier League era, where you'd say on paper, Villa's squad looked better than Man United's. Now, Man United probably have a lot better individuals in certain positions. Yeah, but in terms of man for man, you sort of twenty-two man squad or however many changes everyone made. What the, the cavalry Villa brought on off the bench was a lot more established than Man United's. Yeah, and especially, but I would say as well that the the changes that were made at half time, there was one, two, three, there were five changes at half time, but United didn't make any. So the Villa team that came on in the second half, I mean, Jared obviously identified that the first half team were doing nothing; they were awful. So he, he did make the five changes, threw them on, and then it was they were still playing against you know the United first team and the, the, they gave them a run for their money in the second half because United didn't make their changes until around about the 65th minute mark where Villa just after sorry, it was after that because Villa made their six more changes in 65 so United made them nearer 70 when they changed the whole outfield team yeah if we go back in the podcast let's say to last season when uh, Philippe Coutinho came in uh, I was I was content with Buendia, I must admit, because I thought, you know, this is when Coutinho was on loan and you're thinking, well, this is actually eating into a player that we've actually spent good money in and uh, on and his development. And I was kind of comfortable if, because uh, I've you know, never been the biggest uh, Philip Coutinho fan in terms of what he can do to transform a team. I, I think, I, you know, we said that if he's in a good team, like a very good team, if he's in the other 10 players are top class, then he uh, he's like a key, isn't he, that can open things up. But when he's in a team where he's actually, uh, let's say, got a graft a bit more, then maybe he's not your better option. And this is the thing. I think Buendia at this, at this level of Villa team just gives you a bit more bite at the top in terms of the, the press. It certainly gives you more all round, doesn't it? And Coutinho can go missing, which he, I mean, you know, Coutinho obviously when he came on and, uh, in his debut and scored against United and, and helped change that game. But in this one, he was one of the reasons why, you know, he was just a non-entity, wasn't he really? Because we, United just swept past us. Yeah, and any time he gave the ball away to Watkins or Ings and he put them through, it, it wasn't sticking with them. I just I'm wary of the sort of like narrative of it's if it's either Coutinho or Buendia. I think they're both good enough to sort of like adapt, and one of them that I think this, you need them both on. But then again, where do you fit them? This is the conundrum. So are we buying individuals and not buying a team because we've got all these kind of intriguing players, but you've got Bailey. I mean, you know, even the likes of McGinn, there's an argument that says the only way Villa move on and have a proper balanced midfield is, is to put McGinn on the bench. That's, that is a legitimate argument. And, you know, if, if I'm just starting it myself and this is the thing, so it's we spoke the about for a while, isn't is it? Ramsey mm-hmm. good enough? Uh, is, you know, Ramsey and McGinn, is that good enough? Uh, or can you bring in one more midfielder? As you know, and I said that straight off the bat. I said we need two decent midfielders, two upgrades before this club is going anywhere in terms of Europe or, or whatever. 
before it can even start thinking about it. If you've got somebody, uh, a, a more balanced number eight, who imposes himself that, you know, that doesn't allow us to be run through. I mean, we, we did get run through again against uh, United in that first half. But if you've got that man, then suddenly there's a, more of a platform for Coutinho to do what he does, and or Wendy or, or whoever. And I don't know, it just gives you a more solid base for those guys to conjure. I think that, yeah, the issue for me, having seen most of the preseason games now, is we look in pretty good shape at the back line. You know, you think the two goalkeepers, yeah, pretty good. You know, you're well stocked, I think, in fullback positions. We're pretty swamped with centre back options now. It's going to be a case of which combinations you see. But then the combinations further forward, you know, I think if he's fit, Kamara's going to start as he's six and it'll be further further in front. But I don't think he knows what his best team or formation is going to be yet. You know, if he's going to play a front two or a, or a lone strike. You know, he started with Ings, didn't he? And Watkins against United. And he, the two, it can work, but I don't know if it works against better sides. Well, you've got to get more from those fullbacks because they were sloppy yeah. as hell. Yep. Both Cash and uh, Dean were, some of their passing was woeful. And if you're relying on them as much as Gerard does in his system, then they've got to, they've got to be better. Yeah, that's yep. the thing. Gerard's system creates more chances for the fullbacks than it does for the strikers, and that's a bit of a problem. Yeah. Because you even saw on this, uh, towards the end of the game, Ashley Young was in the, the left-back position, and the way the, the system cut United apart, Young was left in acres of space, and he wasn't put through towards the end. But you did see you know, on the opposite side, someone like a Kessler, actually the willingness to just get his head down and drive you up the field. And that's the way that our fullbacks are going to have to play. Um, so I think there's going to be a, a certain thing of balance and, and the middle of the park will dictate that because of the way he wants his fullbacks to play. Otherwise, I think, as we saw last, last year, and to be honest, in previous years as well under Smith, you're going to get pinned back very quickly by good sides if you can't get control of the middle of the park. It's going to be a lot of the same, the same questions that were there pretty much all of last season are still there at the beginning of this season. It's it's for Gerard to answer. It was the second half actually you thought mm, okay that was that was a bit better, but Manu did drop off and I think mentioning Kessler, I, th- I think Kessler's ahead of uh, yeah. Gilbert in the uh, the pecking order there. I mean just because so. uh, Gilbert hasn't actually really featured. I mean this bloated squad, the, the players that actually get aren't actually getting in the match day squads uh, in pre season. Uh, you know they're on the periphery big time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you're looking at your El Ghazi, Gilbert, maybe Traore, although I think he'll stay for now. Probably Keenan Davis. There's probably three or four that, that are, you'd consider senior players that might find themselves out the door. But in terms of upgrades, uh, one man who completely changed the game uh, was obviously uh, Leon Bailey, yeah. who uh, actually, I mean, this, I wrote a piece, uh, I said there's two versions of Leon Bailey. There's the one that uh, was plagued by injuries that uh, seems a bit reluctant, goes missing, and only started seven games last season. Or there's that 20 minutes against Everton, uh, Leon Bailey, who uh, scores a worldie and then gets an assist directly from the corner, and it pretty much replicated that exactly uh, against United when he came on. And he is a level above Traore, I think, in like impact and El, you know El Ghazi, those kind of wide players that we've had. Directness, sheer directness. Yep. He's direct. Uh, he, he has that. He brings that unpredictability to the table that uh, makes defense, you know, defenders uncomfortable. And he makes things happen. And uh, for you know, for Villa to get start thinking about Europe, you need Bailey actually involved contributing big time you need uh Coutinho or Buendia 
to actually be fully functional and you know consistent than actually being in a system that works. And we've got so many players that are not playing to their transfer fees. And that's the concerning thing, because we need them to play to their transfer fee value to actually get into Europe. And that's that's on Gerard. Yep, we said it last year. I was I mean I had a bit of a a meltdown after that after you know, the, sort of the, the day that Villa didn't even play Newcastle went above us and it was basically saying that you can I don't like comparing us to other sides but if Eddie Howe can get a very very average side to finish the season the way they did yeah Gerard with better resources and he's spent more money and he's got even better resources you can only no you know, I'm not I can't look into my crystal ball but he's going to find the pressure on himself pretty quickly I mean he's he is the silver spoon kid in this situation because yeah. he's He's got everything he wants, and, uh, and he, he inherited and he, he inherited quite a lot of uh, decent talent as well. I mean, Eddie yeah. Howe, as you said, it, he basically had to sort it out, and he, he did. I mean, obviously they spent some money, but not really on the. I mean, they were ta- buying bloody Chris Wood. We were buying uh, Brazilian magicians. Yep. So it's so it's going to be on him in terms of you know if you know if when it gets to sort of Christmas, you know, board fans, pundits, press, etc., are all going to say. You can't say you haven't got the resources and you've been here long enough now to impose yeah. a style of play and some kind of consistency because really, from now on, this will be Steven Gerrard's team. Last season, he could always say, no, it's not really my side. Yeah, and I'm, your I'm, team now, Sunshine. I'm not buying anybody who says, oh, no, he needs three or four uh, windows that's, to that's uh, get it right because no. there's some good not players in place. Not tactically. There's, there's, there's some enough good players, players already in place. But there is some oddities like... There is an oddity in the mix where sentimentality, whether it's uh, Gerard's uh, sentimentality for Philippe uh, Coutinho or whether it's like McGinn standing mm. in the club, where that might actually blind what is actually Villa's most balanced team. Yeah, you see, this is this is a problem and you can you can see it already in this sort of like head-to-head that's being put up there. So at the minute, Buende is like Teflon, nothing sticks him. He can do no wrong on like the Villa online universe. Whereas Coutinho, Coutinho is just getting hammered, so it's going to be it's the magician's wand that's going to be used to beat Yard, isn't it? If it doesn't work, so that's what's going to get the blame. There's still that weird thing. If he's as good as everybody uh, thought he is, uh, you know, what's he I doing? Think it's, yeah? it's a strange one, just in terms of what you hear of personality-wise, and it's not a knock of him, but he always comes across very reserved, very you know, very softly spoken, very gentle guy, which for somebody who's had the career he's had and at one point was probably the most expensive footballer in the world, you you kind of want him to walk on the pitch and have that, this is my Be club. Be Ronaldo, my, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that bit of arrogance and go, I'm car- whatever happens today, I am carrying this team. I think he might be a bit happier if he was playing with Archer up front because Archer might just sit there and wait in the ball to put in the net because I just get the feeling that Coutinho sometimes trips over Watkins and Ings because the two of them are working so hard to try and play themselves into a bit of form that they're like in his zone. He's like passing them and it's not sticking or he's doing trying to do intricate one-two to playing a three ball and they're just not there. It's just the three of them need a bit of communication work together. That's all on the manager. It's all tactical. Yeah. What I'm talking about, Coutinho, he's not saying he's crap. It's it's basically saying it, is he, he's not working in this system and that might not be on him. It might be, as you just said, Watkins and Ings and... Uh, but ultimately, it's Gerrard's, isn't it? It's, it's yeah. the combination that yeah. we have these players that I, you know, in individually are you know very good, but there's something wrong with that midfield still. And uh, I think Kamara will help the defensive side of things, but I don't want him to be just another a third centre back, if you know what I mean. Uh, McGinn, I don't think he has discipline in position. It's a big season for McGinn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Louise. I don't know. I, Louise has got it in him technically, but he's got yeah. a, him and him and McGinn have got to level up. He just—it's just two seven out of ten ish, isn't it? 
Yeah. But he, he does inject a bit of pace into the game when he comes on. I mean, you saw that when he came on at halftime in the United game. He was zipping the ball about midfield a bit quicker than the previous midfield had done. Louise. Certainly neater. Yeah, Louise. We'll say nothing about a set piece. The same applies to probably McGinn, Louise, Coutinho, maybe Wendia, maybe even Bailey, maybe even the strikers. It's like they're all part of that forward combination that's just not quite there yet. And you think you've got the personnel here. I don't think anybody would doubt Douglas Louise is technically a very good footballer. It's where do you get the best out of him? We've seen it in this first season. We saw it in moments last season and previously. If you get him in and around the penalty area, seems to be where he's at his best. We've never had an attacking ensemble that costs so much and you, you could stick and your head out. the technical ability of mm-hmm. these guys. Yeah, and it is as good as uh, we've got here. The problem is, for example, if you put Dean Saunders in a clear, defined role or Dalian Atkinson in a clear, defined role, you're going to get a, a better performance. But, you know, these players potentially are better technically, but they're not in clear, defined roles. And this is what's hindering them at the moment. Yeah, yeah, I think it may take it may take a suspension or a, sm- a small injury or something for the, the correct formation just to be stumbled upon or the correct sort of blend. And that sometimes happens, doesn't it? I mean, it's happened to Villa several times, yeah. You get your hand forced. You make a discovery uh, out of... Uh, Adversity I mean, one, sometimes. One of the ones, you know, years ago, I remember hearing Brian Little talk about the, the, the day they tried to just, oh, let's just see what Gareth Southgate looks like at centre back. Brought yeah. him in as a defensive midfielder and they're like, oh, hello. Right, we can play three at the back now and we've got a ball playing centre back. Brilliant. But yeah, Bailey, uh, it's all about also consistency as well. I mean, Gerard said he you know, he looks a completely different player in demeanour and uh, attitude. And I mean, obviously, I think he cut a frustrated figure before. And it was interesting that he said he trusts his body more. That probably means that actually he's, he's over his injury now. So uh, he can crack on. It's probably the key word with a load of them, isn't it? It's just consistency in general. It has to be the order of the day this season, consistency and control. Otherwise, yeah. you, you're just going to be going around in circles again. And it's, it's, your belief, it's your belief again, isn't it? Somebody to take the ball and say, you know what, I'm not passing this time. I'm going to take go on someday. I'm going to take it round to it. And I'm going to actually have a shot. And Bailey has no problem in having a shot. Yeah, it's the responsibility that the top players do, the real top players do. And you see it up and down the league in other teams. It, not even necessarily in Well, swagger players, as well. I mean, yeah. we need to, I mean, that's the thing I liked about Bailey when he came on. He, he has got swagger and uh, we need a bit more of that from Watkins and Ings, uh, I would say. And, he, you know, even, uh, I think Coutinho does it more in a quiet way. I mean, you know, he, he's great to watch, but we need to have people on the same frequency. A big one for me, and we haven't seen a lot, seen much of it actually so far in pre-season. We've actually seen it more from Kessler. I'm really intrigued to see in the first few weeks of the season what Matt Cash's final delivery is going to be like yeah because that was something we talked about a heck of a lot in terms of if we're going to level up you know we, we look like we'd leveled up with him in terms of the personnel side now he needs to level up again in terms of his actual skill set Lucas Dean was his deliveries last season were, were pretty uh decent at the end of, of last season when he came back from injury like so many of us they just had to get him in the right position on the field to yeah the best and out. I think I think the Ludwig his backup but also uh, yeah, has a decent right. decent delivery so it's the right hand side uh, cash has to sharpen it up really yeah just be smarter with his delivery yeah, yeah. and not get caught out so much not, he, he gets double and treble team cash and it's funny that every opposition team picks cash's side to go down they all pick cash's side that's where most of the attacks come from maybe that's probably something tactical ahead of cash because i actually yeah. think in a one-on-one situation sometimes in a two-on-one situation he is actually pretty good he does yeah. give a good account of himself so who's the who's the midfielder in front of him is that is that mcginn is that that is that where he sort of drifts in that sort of right hand side of the midfield frankly it's whoever it needs to be 
And that's maybe the problem. That's too much of a floating. Uh, that midfield just doesn't stop anything coming. There's something fundamentally wrong with uh, Gerard's structure. That poor old Morgan Sanson, nice spirited run, final ball. <laughs> <laughs> Blaze of blaze of glory that was. He does look physically in better shape though, doesn't he? I think. Yeah, he's been on the on the weights. Yeah, he looks stronger. I think that's it's obviously been a conscious thing that he knows he's got to kind of get up to you know, get up to speed with the, the physical side of the. We're getting to the cutoff point with him. He uh, he's over doing it now, or you know, get out of here. Yeah, he's probably got till January. I would suggest. No, he's, he's got. I'm talking weeks. <laughs> <laughs> January weeks, mate. He's got Wren, and if he's still around, maybe uh, he's on the bench against Bournemouth. But something's got to happen there because uh, he, I don't know. He, just look at him; he looks like he's a lost soul or something. He doesn't seem to be focused and intense. He's just waiting for something to happen, not realizing yeah. that it's, he's got to make it happen. Yeah, it's just not one pigeonholed under that group of McGinn, Ramsey, Louise, Sanson, same player. Yeah, yeah, all those chaps. I mean, Ramsey, you cut slack because, uh, you know, he's young and up and coming. And, and quite frankly, last season, he, he performed beyond anybody's expectations of him. He, suddenly, we had somebody who could score wonder goals. And uh, once he had the conviction, really runs at uh, teams and, and, and can actually surge through midfield, which is a, a huge benefit. And I think, uh, you know, once his uh, off the ball game uh, improves and his awareness, then, you know, he, he will be a proper player hopefully but again he would also benefit from let's call it the number the upgrade number eight he benefits from it maybe mcginn benefits if he's in in starting lineup if he if this guy hasn't actually taken his place coutinho buendia they all do and the defense does as well and kamara certainly does as well so it's uh you know it's a win-win just the big question is is who and you know what kind of player do you get in should have used half of that uh money we got from uh grealish to buy uh harland <laughs> <laughs> what was it 11 minutes into his debut you think bloody hell I, you just see him and and, I, and you know we don't I think Grealish will come alive next season with him I mean I watched well, he's uh, got someone to actually I watched the highlights of that and it's it's something that we don't have where you're just looking for one man it's that's it makes your life so much easier where yeah. it's like I, I've just got to thread that that beast through and away we go and, and you know he's going to be there yeah, Pass and, is always on. And you saw it, Grealish looked like a different man for Manchester City because he had a clear objective. I've just got to feed feed Haaland, simple as yeah. that. And this is this is your Buendia Coutinho problem again. Who who when they get the ball, which one of the two um Watkins and Ings up front do they feed? Maybe yeah. feed neither, feed neither and feed Archer if he's still there. Because he's got he's gonna be standing right in front of the net, ready to put it in. It's about trust, isn't it? It's like if you trusted Watkins to finish it eight times out of ten or or Ings, and we should be trusting Ings, but he's still uh, yet to come to the party consistently, then once that trust is there, then suddenly it sparks, you know, Buendia Coutinho's imagination, as I was saying about Grealish, just to find ways of unleashing uh, that striker whoever he may be i think you know you, you've seen bailey come and uh, play centrally in the lineup when he's come on so that i think gerard's thinking about him as uh, let's say uh, as a th- one of the three as a striker in terms of well one of the four if you're talking about if we're going with ings watkins archer then bailey is also as well as you know his wide capabilities uh wouldn't be surprised to see him maybe coming on and playing down the middle and then obviously swapping in and out with uh watkins or whoever's on the pitch at that time right uh 
before we go please do make sure you're following my old man said on uh, all social media whether it be instagram twitter tiktok we might do some things on there it's it exists put it that way also follow the uh, podcast if you listen on spotify apple or whatever podcast app you have so it pops up first uh now it's going to become obviously more regular as the uh, the season uh, gets closer uh, if you're on Facebook, uh, there is a uh, Facebook group called The Mad Few, which is dedicated to the listeners of the show. The link is in the uh, show notes, so uh, join us uh, on that as well. You get quite a, a lot of people who have been listening for years, and uh, they've only just kind of joined uh, in that group recently. So please uh, do join in that as well to get uh, closer to the show. Any uh, final words? I think we're all kind of interested for this Ren game to see if Gerard has any clue what his best team's going to be for the start of the season. Yeah. I wonder if this United game has given him uh, food for food thought, for thought yeah. in terms of uh, his first 11. Because I think, I mean, the one he put out was exactly what I thought he would put out. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, Carlos and Kamara coming in for, uh, you know, let's say Konza and Louise and that would be your upgrades and uh, but unfortunately it was just exactly the same there was no real uh, dynamic shift in uh, formation but the Bailey is the card he has shown he might, be the, he might be the curveball how I've always kind of seen him he is the kind of uh, off the bench kind of impact man is he going to be a regular first 11 will he be the kind of key that unlocks uh, the door I don't know that's a big the word you said before. You know, trust. Do you trust him over ninety minutes against a good side? I don't still. Yeah, because bringing him on against a tired team—that's the perfect scenario, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it's like you know when Wolves had uh, Adama. Yeah, but yeah, the best thing about the Australian tour in terms of on the pitch was probably that first half against United because it's it poses a lot of questions and uh, it means that we're not caught by surprise when the season kicks off because no. the the food for thought is all there for Gerard to uh, basically take to task and sort it out. So uh, the negative is the biggest positive in this uh, situation. I think, so. I think it's sometimes worth, you know, taking a bit of a hit in pre-season on something because you learn what hasn't worked or isn't going to work, etc. You, you know, unlike Watford, where we maybe thought we were going to be better than we were, we turned up yeah. on the first day last season and we were like, whoa. We're about we two ransacked. weeks off here. Two <laughs> right, weeks off speaking here of ransacks, let's, uh, let's, let's get, get out, out of here. here. Please do, uh, as I said, subscribe and all that uh, housekeeping and uh, join us. Uh, we will be rolling out of something for the weekend before the uh, Ren game. And then I think it's business uh, up and running for the new season. If you want to uh, get involved in my own man said, whether it's writing or uh, also the podcast, uh, maybe... Uh, do uh, drop me an email and uh, especially writing actually write until we next speak to you it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them goodbye goodbye away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.